rumors spread around In that, In that Texas, Texas town, town. Uh. About <laughs> to check outside the game You know what I'm talking about Just let I me do. know I do know what he's talking about To that whole mile <laughs> on the range They got a lot of nice girls uh. We should have started with this. This is the whole thing. Episode 57. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) New episode 56 of the Light Shed Podcast. Yes, I remembered here on Take Two what number it was. I'm Brandon Ross, along with... Richard Greenfield and Walter Pisick. And um, that one was for Mark Kelly, because I don't know how many, how many people out there know this. Definitely anyone who's been on a Zoom with us in the, in the last 14 months does. But Mark hadn't shaved his beard um, the, like the entire time. And his beard was down. I don't know. Why don't we pull pull it up right here um you could see his beard is down to his pecs um in number one <laughs> he finally decided to get a haircut uh to look a little more put together brooklyn? not that i'm that, one that to haircut's a look, about looking, looking a little brooklyn together. i gotta say i yeah this was like kind of a brooklyn hipster yeah. look and then voila mark moves back to the city and gets a very nice I think professionally done beard trim and Mark, you should probably stick with the pro beard trims. Um, you you and, don't think that was sort of his different. Charlotte. That, that was sort of a Charlotte look. I mean, that was sort of his Southern Southern was look. It, I was mean, it a Southern thing? I mean, ZZ uh, top is like, you know, is Texas, obviously, you know, it's that Texas town where LaGrange is. Um, but anyway, that's our biggest sign of reopening. Um, to come is wait it, that's the biggest sign it wasn't having another dinner with rich greenfield this week i mean oh, twice God. twice in a week we've hung out and we actually have. had cocktails and a lot of talked cocktails. in person I, and a I lot mean, of cocktails um twice in a week that. and we hadn't that. seen each i missed other. that invite and was right. i was <laughs> well, why wasn't that. walt invited yeah to well what, what happened there uh, i'm, I'm we, only about 40 minutes away I'm very easily to travel in the city with all the COVID reduced traffic. We, we didn't. We did invite you to the week before no party. That okay. was an outdoor so is that rooftop what party. When you, when you when you don't want to do one where there's 300 people and two minutes of discussion that you get left out of everything else that follows. This is very. This is a very sad. This is confront. This is very we're, confrontational. It's not confrontational. I don't think he's being confrontational. Mm-hmm. We're we're a team, and I think that we should be doing a full group get together um, in the next couple of weeks. And to anyone who's listening, if you want to hang out with us, just let us know and we'll make it a party. Why not? We should have like a a client, something it'd be fun to have like a something group and industry. We, you know, we never even had, we never had our like anniversary. Where are we going to have an anniversary party? Anniversary party. Remember the launch party. We were going to have a launch party. Somehow that didn't happen. Right. Then we were like, oh, we'll just do an anniversary party. Then we were like, oh, we'll do a ventures kickoff. But we haven't done any parties. That's the bottom line. And we like to party, Is if you remember, 
you know, the music from a few weeks ago. Well, I have a big party coming up. It would be on October 21st, 4th, excuse me, in Las Vegas, Vegas Nevada. Wait, uh, what is it? What this is, is it? Eagles Raiders, Rich, which I've been talking about for a couple of months now. Are and you going to be the in the end zone? It has been uh, that that is a nice, very club-like atmosphere in the end zone, but I prefer somewhere in between the around the thirty-yard line is my preference. Um, but yeah, this is going to be huge. A lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans in Las Vegas should be quite a quite an event for that and weekend. You know who's coming right after the Eagles leave Las Vegas. Who's that? For four nights of fun. Oh, the fish. The fish. The fish. The fish. Yes. The fish. The fish. So I will be, Walt and I will be tag teaming in Vegas. He'll be in town for um, <laughs> Eagles Raiders. And then a few days will pass. And then I'll be coming to town for four glorious nights of Halloween fish. I will go to Vegas <laughs> with Walt whenever he wants to. I would love what about to go me? to Vegas. Well, I actually yes, would prefer to go with Walt. You prefer to go with Walt. Well, I mean, we've I all should, been I, I in should... Vegas together, as you no, know. No, like, I, actually, yeah, I, I think I think Brandon. Wait, wait, wait. I also think that you should you should invite all of our listeners to your wedding. So anyone that's <laughs> my wedding date, my wedding date is not set, Walter. Oh, okay. Um, you're getting a little ahead. We, we potentially does the announcing um, does the announcement of the fish tours have any impact on the wedding? Date, like is I it mean? planned so that it doesn't coincide or so that it can coincide so they can go there for the honeymoon i don't think jess wants to go to fish for the honeymoon i can assure you of that i'm like hey how about we do our honeymoon in vegas isn't that like isn't that, that was the, the name of a movie or something nick cage it's a pretty uh wasn't yeah it, i think Honeymoon in yeah, Vegas. I, I think I think past friends of yours didn't want to go to, to a fish concert on New Year's, but that didn't stop you from doing that. <laughs> Guys. Oh, this is getting we, brutal. We've, we've, we've had a work okay. through, you know, th through some relationships along the way. <laughs> okay. We're good. We're good. Let's go to a Let's go to our first slide. I mean, uh, look, it was a light week. We discussed a couple of things at the beginning. We did. We did. Do you want, we did. Do you want to kick it off with this tweet from another Brandon? We do. We're going to kick it off with Brandon Katz, who writes SVOD's most recently quarterly sub ads. And he's got Peacock at nine, Disney at eight, six, Paramount six, Netflix four, HBO Max two, seven, Hulu 2.2. The slide is complete and utter bullshit, just to be Whoa. clear. Um because he does make a correct mention that the Peacock number has nothing to do with subscribers. It's actually just um, registration. So people that literally went to the PeacockTV.com webpage and entered their email address, uh, they count as registrations. And so it literally has nothing to do with subscribers. Subscribers is a fraction of that. So I, I don't even know what to do with that number, but let's leave that number to a side. But what's also interesting is Disney. Disney stock is down pretty sharply, three, four percent, which is a pretty, you know, Disney stock's been weak for the last probably couple of months, down again on, on earnings because the subscriber numbers are not great. Because if you look in that eight, six that we have up on the screen, the number outside of Asia is probably only a few million subscribers. And, and I think and that. By, by the way, though, Rich, um, they actually missed expectations on on their sub ads and that has been a theme across svod avod um just call it streaming video sure. uh th this quarter ad numbers have been insanely good 
um, if you look at like the YouTube numbers, you look at the Roku numbers, but you know, s- subscriber additions um, have connected have TV advertising. Much, Hold on, right? Connected, connected TV, TV ever. That's what I, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. I was staying Sorry. like in the same because I said AVOD. Yes, um, yes. Is there any, but is there any way to know? numbers what... have disappointed across the board. Sorry, Walt. No, I was just going to ask if there's any way to know whether this is a gross ad issue or a churn issue or do they obviously are they not report well, that stuff? look i think it's probably pretty obvious right that we had a huge pandemic for a year people were locked in their homes people signed up for a lot of services they had stimulus dollars to put to work so i think part of it is pull forward meaning you just captured your subs a little bit earlier on the flip side you know you're coming out of it now people are probably home a little bit less it's probably hurting all of them to a degree but you know again like the Paramount number, it's not really six because that includes Showtime and it includes some overseas at like sub a dollar, like the, you know, Disney, five of five or six of those are sub a dollar in Asia. Uh, a lot of these numbers are not all that exciting when you really look through it. it. It actually makes the HBO number of two seven, which is mostly a US number. It actually makes the HBO number look pretty freaking good. Uh, and the Netflix number, which is X Asia is like three or two six or something, two seven. Those numbers actually on a relative basis look better than they actually optically do on this chart. And I, but the, the larger point is everyone likes to talk about subs. All of the companies that we cover are trying to goose their sub numbers, just saying, yeah. hey, like it's just like someone called me um, last night and was like, look, Disney crushed like operating income, crushed operating income in, in streaming. How is the stock down? And I was like, look. You know, the game that Disney decided to play was the subscriber game. And, you know, you're getting both sides um, of it here. When they were missing numbers, but subs were crushing, the stock was going up. And now, you know, it's give and take. Um, Not that Disney's like really getting hit that hard today. I think it's down like, what, 3%? Sure. Or some, but, like but market markets up and the stock has gone from. Remember, it peaked over two hundred. So the stock, you know, it's it's yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely cooled off. And I think that a lot of the reopening stuff in general has also cooled off, and Disney is so levered um, to the parks and and part of the reopening excitement um, was so around that. Just to go back to my question though, because um, when you say pull forward, that's you're saying yeah. gross ads. That's a gross ad issue. It's not churn. Yes. But are, do we know that though? I mean, because the reality is that um, the last, in this case, to be super focused on their product, um, the second Avengers television series just wasn't as good as the first one. And I'm wondering if people just kind of gave up and and maybe you had some level of churn that impacted in the quarter that might have impacted the net ads. Or the if only people thing- started doing stuff, they just or, were or, like, or oh, also maybe maybe some of those Verizon customers that were getting free services and they were either going to show up as a build customer for Verizon um, or have to upgrade to a higher rate plan. Maybe they decided that they would didn't want to continue. I didn't, we'd have to look at kind of the, well, the timing of that, but I think that could be an issue too. No, it, it's possible, and I, and I don't disagree mm-hmm. that all of those. I mean, first of all. They most of these companies are you know, Netflix gives you U.S. versus rest of world, you know, different regions around the world. All the other companies don't want to give you that. Like they're all giving you global numbers. So to be to be fair, Walt, I don't know how many subs Disney added in the U.S. My guess is since they opened up new markets, very very little. So it could absolutely be what you just said. We don't have the data to get there. Like they made a comment that March was stronger than January and February, but again. 
That's not so, U.S. So, versus so international. Gonna, so I have no gonna, idea. So they go one step lower than cable companies who will go out and say that they've reduced churn by 10 to 15 percent, churn being a metric that they don't report. That was done once again this week by by Comcast. Um, they don't even say if churn has gone up or down in, in these products. Is that what you're telling me? They'll they'll say like churn improved um, or okay. churn was stable, like discovery. The, but the, here's the funny thing, Walt. Like, and this is comical. Discovery was talking about, Discovery was saying churn has been surprisingly low. They launched in January. How do you yeah. know yet? I the mean, bottom line is like, like Netflix, you don't have used, Netflix used to give churn versus gross ads. They stopped. The industry standard is not to give any details um, about sure. any of it. So we just don't really know. Well, I'm just curious, Brandon, because can there, just speculate. there's large, there's implications for a three to $400 billion company known as Verizon, who their one of their primary um, motivations here is to get people into higher rate plans by dangling Disney plus and discovery um, and also 5g, I guess yep. to, to, for people to upgrade. And that's how they're planning to meet these, you know, 2%, 3%, service revenue targets. So if there's some moderation in net ads, it you know, that could be kind of an early indication that there's a challenge. And then what happens is does Verizon have to make this decision to be more aggressive on standard, you know, giving away free phones like AT&T or or cutting price or whatever. Well, I mean, I think first of all, that's a great point, Walt, because the biggest challenge we have in looking at all of these companies Leave off Disney because they really are ramping the content pretty dramatically. But most of these streaming services are not dramatically increasing dollars. Um, you know, Viacom just raised some money. They say they're going to put more dollars into Paramount yep. Plus. It's going to take a while to, for that to play out, like kind of second half 22. But I, I do question when you look at a lot of these services, it's really easy to get some subs out of the gate. Brand new service, big marketing push. Everyone was sort of trapped at home when a lot of these things were launching. Who's the and, and I mean we said all along, even when you know free, when Disney, free when Disney launched, is that you know for Netflix the ramp was slow because they had to blaze the path, teach people yes. about streaming, get people to have connected television devices, etc. Everyone's been educated, so you're going to very quickly hit your TAM um, if yep. if you're a follower, and I think we saw that. Um, with Disney this quarter, um, and yeah, we're we're seeing that with that's, Discovery that's, and Paramount Plus and whatever else. That is an incredibly good point, and I would just note that in the wireless world, when there are promotions or new things happen, it typically takes a maybe two quarters for the promotion to saturate the latent market that it was actually addressing in that particular case. So if someone was waiting for Discovery Plus to have this app, like there is a, a certain amount of discovery. It's like no one it typically waiting. fills what I've seen historically is that typically fills up in a quarter. That's why I was always fascinated by Verizon. Like they gave away the free service, but then like Disney came with that incredible slate of Avengers and Star Wars shit and like it gave them like another boost. But like, again, like they're leaning on this in terms of, is this a sustainable growth opportunity for them just to get people to migrate up to higher rate plans um, because it pays for your Disney plus. I mean, remember Disney, things. remember Disney has 40 million subscribers in the U S roughly. We don't know, but I mean, supposedly some leaked memos, the information got a hold of, you know, they wrote a piece up earlier this year that they sort of had 40 million. 
That's a pretty big number when we think about the Disney TAM of Marvel fans, families with kids under 15, Lucasfilm fans. Like, without combining Hulu, which we think they should, but without combining the services, I don't know how much larger Disney Plus can be. Could it get to 45? I mean, I guess it could get to 50, but it is not easy when you consider churn in there as well, well right? Like, it's just. They're going to have to, they can get there, right? If they broaden out and you wrote the piece well, this week, your three questions for Bob Chapek. And one of those questions was, do they need to combine Hulu with Disney plus? Right. And there's obviously trouble surrounding it because you have what Comcast interest um, in Hulu and, and that'll transfer at some point. And you have to think about like how to integrate advertising. And there, there's a lot, but you know, if you want to, if you want a, broad subscriber base you need to have broad content that's it well let, let's just ask walt a question how often do you go to disney plus well for me the disney plus has been the new episodic releases right so i don't know once a week for an hour but no right, once, once a week, week for an hour correct i mean well i what i said i think i've said on this podcast before what happened with um mandalorian and something they, they created content that made you more interested in the library that existed so there was a time that that i would spend more time because i was going back to like whatever clone wars um during the mandalorian which is a animated star wars thing and i was watching some of that so i think they're, they're attempting to do that to, to try and utilize the but just based on the programming which has been much better to, to get you to, to watch some of the older stuff so Okay, let's move on to another piece of Disney, which is they've locked up a tremendous amount of sports yeah. rights brand. And this is what, what I thought was so amazing. We've got a, we've got a slide up and it says Disney secures key sports rights deals all in the last six months. SEC, NHL, NFL, MLB, and now an absolutely bonkers number for La Liga. Although I did hear overnight, Brendan, that while it wasn't announced by Disney yesterday, it does include markets beyond the U.S. I haven't confirmed yeah, the, that. The, that's number, the number that was floating out there for La Liga um, being attributed to the U.S., I was like, that's actually just not possible. Um, it, I think it was $170 or $180 million a year. I'm like, the audience isn't there. But I think the point, and I've been talking about this for a very long time. Well, what do you think Disney's trying to do? Yeah, I, I think right. I think that ESPN wants to eventually become just the de facto place for national sports programming. That if you're a sports fan at all, you have to have it, and they're going to raise the price of poker and aggregate as many rights as possible, such that and wait out all the competitors for the rights, meaning all of the other cable networks that are out there until they can't afford them anyway. And then the only um, competition for rights will be whatever digital platforms are going to play. And to so far, that has only been Amazon. The, the challenge with that thesis, though, is most of the rights they're buying that we just put up on the screen a second ago are national rights, not local rights. Well, that's exactly what I just said. The de facto place for national sports. I did not say... Um, local. What the local um, model is going to be, I, honestly, I don't know. And um, it's something we talked about, obviously, in our MSG interview um, that we did on Monday, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Um, and it's 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 unclear to me what, what that model looks like. But when you look at national sports, so I just want to put this up on the screen, the NBA 
this is national NBA games over the season, both ESPN, ABC, and TNT. It's averaging a million viewers. Million 1.4 million viewers. And that, I mean, as the tweet <sighs> says, is down. Well, now I can't read the tweet. Because oh, sorry. Hold but it's on. Down, I think Hold it's on. 13%. 14%. There you go. Foot 13%. Uh, right. Yeah. What a short-term memory I have. Who would have No, but, but 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 what I'm getting at Brandon is there's only a million people watching national NBA games. You can aggregate a bunch of these things. Yeah, but how, how do you Rich, get to you're, a big I, enough- you're not looking at it the right way because you're the average, you know, minute um viewership is is what you you just said. Uh, I said 1. a million, million. one three. My guess is let's say it's three overall, total. The overall viewership is way broader than that, especially since it's the NBA. And don't forget, it also comes with playoff rights, um, which, as you know, is what matters the most. But the Disney strategy is I mean, they're they're getting everything right. Uh, <laughs> they're I, getting I understand every that. sport. I'm just they I'm added just getting hockey, it. getting bigger in soccer like got even stronger in college, taking the SEC from from CBS, indispensable to any kind of sports fan, Yeah, I feel like is is what they're trying to be. All I know is 75 million subscribers is what ESPN has today. They probably get about $11 a month. So that's, you know, if you think about just 75 times 12 times 11, that's $10 billion of revenue comes in from subscription fees on a direct to consumer basis. If they charge $12 a month uh, on that, well, they're you know, not, for, I mean, they're going to have to charge more than $12 a month, yeah, 15 obviously. and maybe like 30. Netflix and like Netflix, if they, if they achieve the goal that Brandon's trying to, um, you know, talk about then maybe they just like a Netflix, take it up a dollar dollar. Like it's, it's just lasting. I'm thinking about the cost be, side too, though. Well, Oh, right. You're saying they have to go to 30 just to deliver the car. Maybe you lost lead it for a little while. This is to, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. okay. Grow, so every, here's the, the whole, the, like, this is the long-term vision. Wait, wait, but hold on. That, that I've been guys. trying but to espouse no, no, for a but, while. But, but, but hold on. I don't know if you understand it, right? I, I do, but, but let me just okay. set the, let's, let me just set table stakes at $25 okay. to get to the same revenue number. I don't they care need 30, about revenue necessarily. Well, they need 33 million subs to get to the same revenue and they're going to have higher cost. And they're going to have higher costs. Higher cost, yeah. My my belief, though, is first of all, I don't think thirty three million is that crazy. Um, if they control, you know, at twenty five dollars a month, and you can cancel anytime you want. I don't for think, one I don't, sport. I don't two think sports. I honestly don't think it's that crazy if they hit, hit everything. But the other thing is, do they again get to a point? where they are completely indispensable to the leagues. They have to be included, have leverage over the leagues because there's less competition and then bat down the price of sports rights. That's, you know, you got to play the revenue side and the cost side here and like, and play the, the chess game out over a several year period. I could be wrong, but that's how I would approach it. If I, well, were I mean, not. what's the alternative though? I mean, Rich, the number that you're quoting is a number that's shrinking. Every day it's shrinking. So like it's actually the math actually gets easier every day because you're losing subscribers hand over fist. Right. I mean, it's something but on we've actually side, talked every, about. But on the flip side, every day you wait, you you know, you kind of leave the door open for someone else to try and, you know, create what the, this this kind of inescapable um, bundle, I guess you would call it sports yeah. bundle that Brandon thinks that they would. I mean, 
look, it's, it's going to suck, but at some point like that, that is the nature of the industry that you're in. <laughs> but, but whenever you the, have- it, no, but the other thing is, is the minute you do this, like the minute you pull that linchpin out of the grenade, right. You torch the remaining industry, right? Like every subscriber, like once That's- you pull ESPN out, Yep. You are literally blowing up whatever is left of this ecosystem. That okay. ecosystem like and really how leveraged to this ecosystem are they anyway? Anymore. I, they have ABC. Uh, right? I'm not saying and, and I'm not saying I'm not saying and broadcast, you know. No, no. I'm looking at the shrap metal that gets flown out across the entire industry. Discovery, Viacom, like yeah, all the other companies. I don't think they give a shit. And I think the rest of the industry is wise to the fact that Disney doesn't give a shit, which is one of the main reasons that they've all been launching their own over the top um, products. And you also, there's also like, you know, second order benefits um to control well, you know who sports you, you also know who you, you know who your customer sports. are sports betting yeah no kidding sports betting commerce like there's a whole bunch of things that you could layer on right I mean, the, the other trend here is that i think that perhaps covid has highlighted um or maybe changed the dynamic of the power of, of sports rights i mean I was listening. So my favorite thing on Odyssey, uh, Angelo Cataldi. They literally were talking about this on uh, multiple where, things. Hey, wait, hold on. Where Where is Angelo Cataldi again? Just to remind on, everyone. On Odyssey. W-I-P. That's what I wanted you to say. So he, but but one of the things he pointed out was this week. He's like the number one event in Philadelphia sports this week was the release of the NFL schedule, not what the Phillies were doing, not what the Sixers were doing. It was the release and the NFL being as brilliant as they are, even though all the, all the teams that these events were playing, (laughs) they created an event around the release of the dates. I knew all the teams that they were playing and it was an anticipated event. That was the number one sporting event of the week in Philadelphia. So what's, so what's your takeaway from that? Well, the, 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 the bigger, the broader topic was like, okay, the NFL's fine. Right. But right. what's happened to these other sports and the interest in the sports? And this is the stuff that Brandon's, you know, written, you know, tons about um, in terms of like what was hurting ratings right. and stuff. And like just it, it is a potentially. So it gets to the second wave of what I think Brandon was describing is at some point those costs maybe don't go up. Maybe for one sport, they go up, but for you the rest it. of them, they dial it back. And you've got some basketball user that really wants to subscribe. And that's 2 million of your subscribers because this is the only place that they can get it. But you've dialed back basketball because basically it's, you know, things are changing. And ML, like, you know, you the MLB deal got done with ESPN this week. And that was done at an overall, you know, lower total dollar amount. Now, less games, said, less, less games, I less, believe. less games. So I think it was slightly higher on a per game basis, but also like shows Disney strategy also have stakes, you know, in every in every sport. Right. You don't have to have all of it, but stakes in every sport. So you attract the fans um, of, of every sport. Um, but it just also shows not everything is gonna, necessarily going to be up and to the right forever people were you know saw the hockey deal saw the la liga deal which was kind of misreported everyone's like see sports rights you know forever are going to continue to go up and it's just you know so i those don't rights know don't go, those rights don't go up do they then have to lean on things like gambling and embrace gambling more in order to for, <laughs> for sure for sure the <laughs> question is, is it, look, it's that, another thing I, that came up in the 
MSG E interview today because you know I had asked them. Well, why don't for, we just shift to that? Why don't we just shift to that? We we can call an audible. Hold on a second. Let's just get let, uh, let's get a picture of. Oh, just got a picture of what you're, you were. There's Brandon Ross sitting there with the MSG. <laughs> there's the back with, of my head. Yeah, back of Brandon's head. Nice you, shoes you he's could, wearing. You could see that the hair is getting even. That looks even like longer. that looks like one of those like interviews from like 1980, whatever. <laughs> like where it's like who's that guy? Rome. Remember he flipped the table because of uh, you know Jim Tim Everett or whatever his name was. That looks like one uh, of those set. Are these? Like, no, no. I feel like it's like. No, no, to me, it feels like that John Favreau. What was that show where he interviewed people over a dinner conversation around the table? Yeah, that too. Like, that's what it sort of feels like. Or between two ferns. Was that (laughs) that dude between two ferns, Brandon? Were you like asking the crazy questions? (laughs) Anyway, how was it? How did it go? I I thought it went actually very well. Um, I asked some really, I don't know what your perspective was, guys. I know Rich at least um, watched it. I thought- I thought I asked them some pretty tough um, questions, and I thought that in terms of their disclosure and transparency, um, and how they sounded, that it you yeah. know it was up there among the best. But but go back to sports betting. What did they say? What did your takeaway okay. on sports betting in terms no. of what you think it means? Because there's a lot of people that would look at this. No, and go, but they said. I mean, obviously they're leaning very very hard into sports betting. I asked Andrea Greenberg who's the president of MSG networks currently about um, how they, how they plan to continue to grow revenue because we had Mm -hmm. seen those projections that we talked about last week. And of course she talked about sports betting. Um, She talked a little bit about over the top, as you know, we're all, you know, pretty skeptical about over the top, but there's a real um, there's, across the industry a real bet being made that sports betting is going to really help um sports broadcast in many regards and i'm just so skeptical because i think people are already betting they're just not doing it legally i think ultimately it will help but i just i truly don't believe people are going to watch a bad game because they have money on it when they can get all the updates on their phone and see the scores like i just don't believe they're going to sit and watch Unexciting content because they have money on the line. I I asked them that question and I asked specifically, is there any data that shows that people watch more? And, you know, they came back with, yes, they like their studies, the data they looked, they've looked at um, says that to be true. Um, Obviously going to take their word for it because we haven't done the work ourselves. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big part of that interview. I don't know. There I, there was like a bunch of stuff in that interview. Um I thought My they- point though was um that they would have to go beyond just like I mean like l- literally integrating it into the sport somehow like in the stadiums like where it's on the scoreboard or like the pitcher is pausing a certain second for everyone to get their bets in. I mean, I mean, is that ultimately where we're going if the rights themselves don't yield um you know, well, the there'll be a lot of spot extra sponsorship dollars. And if you, you know, kind of have a monopoly on a market or even nationally, and these sports books need to go to you to advertise, that definitely gives you some leverage, which is why we've advocated for in the New York market for the combination or tight alignment of all the New York RSNs, which I, you know, Got we got we asked about and kind of got no answer, but 
got the feeling that this, you know, these guys would be open to that um, under the right structure if the opportunity. But Walt brings up a great point that actually is relevant to MSGN and everybody that's doing sports betting, being in the stadium and placing a bet versus watching it on cable is a 30 second delay. Watching it on YouTube TV or Fubo is a 45 second delay versus being in the stadium. So when you talk about sort of real time play betting, there's a Micro major betting, issue. The stuff it's that's a major a, issue. You're saying like using it to increase actual engagement, but I mean, I, I'll give you an example. The Sixers, I think last year, when someone would miss two free 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 throws, I think you got oh, like yeah, a frozen. free yeah. ice cream from at Wawa or something, some <laughs> something, and like people would go fucking bananas after the first miss three free throw. You if you integrate, you know, actual you know, cash dollars for the people in the stadium in some shape or form, like maybe you can help to increase engagement, but otherwise I'm kind of more in Rich's camp, which is if it's just kind of passive and at home, like to think that someone's going to flip the game on. The latency issue though, there are companies like Phoenix who are trying to solve that. I don't know. No, they are. And it's going to get solved over time. I, I just think like, it's not instantaneous that this all gets fixed. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, we're still getting states legalized. This is still a, a, a re, you know, it's still a relatively slow process. I think today is the three-year anniversary of the Supreme Court decision on passive. It was. I saw Sarah Slane actually tweeting about it that it was three-year anniversary yeah. of it. So we still got a long way to go uh, on a sports betting standpoint being legalized. And look, ultimately, the, the real question is, is do RSNs get merged in with sports betting companies? Like, do you actually have to put them all together so that you actually have a unified experience? Um, and we'll say right now, so far, we're seeing a lot of media and sports betting come together. We have not seen sports video media come together with sports betting. It feels inevitable, but it hasn't happened. Yep. And then uh, let's move. Go ahead. No, just other kind of like takeaways that I had. From oh, from that. your interview. Yes. What yeah, else? From the interview. I thought this, one interesting. The sphere is going to be big? Well, I mean, they, they believe certainly that the sphere is going to be big. I think they put that, you know, fiscal 2025, which is June 25 number out there, you know, that was that was in the registration, registration statement, not guidance, but of like. Um, of 378 million of AOI, a lot of that um, being the sphere. Vis-a-vis the sphere, I think they gave pretty compelling reasons why it's going to be big. Um, But my biggest takeaway was this is it in terms of doing a lot of CapEx on a sphere. They want to take this one, prove it out, get their learnings, and just license out um, the the blueprint technology and management um, of these venues going forward. N- no more enormous capex projects, which I think probably tells you something about what's going to go down in London. Uh, we've been saying for a long time we don't believe London will ultimately get built or built alone um, at that. Um, so that was a big one. I thought another. When big- does when does the sphere open? When do we all? When does Walt get to go see the Sphere while he's watching the Eagles I in think, Vegas? I think the latest they said was September of twenty three. I think is is the absolute latest. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's still so a, it's a still while. a while. It's still a while. Um, and then the other 
takeaway I thought was on sports. A lot of clients have been calling saying that they believe that sports is going to wind up getting merged into this whole thing. And they were absolutely emphatic, like more emphatic than I've seen them on like pretty much anything else that sports will never um, get merged in with MSGN and MSGE. Um, so I thought that was interesting. What I want to know at this point, and this is going back to like an old thing um, uh, that that was out there, it, it, they had said before they spun um, networks out that they were going to raise um, uh, money by selling a piece of sports. Do they revisit that with valuations continuing to climb with the Knicks actually being good? I mean, if I were them, I, I the Knicks are in the playoffs. The Knicks are in the playoffs. I actually can't believe I'm actually surprising. We didn't put that on our, like that would have been like a good way to start Knicks in the playoffs. It's weird. You know, we're Sixers fans. So, so, so I know, but still, it's just (laughs) shocking that the Knicks are back in the playoffs. Honestly, Sixers Knicks could be a second round matchup, which is crazy because I think the Knicks are going to be what the four or the five seed and the Sixers, the one, if they ever win another game. Okay. Let's, let's shift to real growth stories. Roblox. Yeah. So um, this one from tall, um, it's also not just a hobby or a side hustle. The company is on track to pay out $500 million to developers this year. That's up from $330 million last year. It was $72 million in 2018. Um, and just like taking a step back on Roblox, the quarter was devastating, basically. It was absolutely um an amazing quarter. Um, Devastating usually means bad. It was uh, incredible. I think would be the right word. Okay. Whatever. Um, You know, quarter guys, we're doing an earnings review here. No, we're not. We're not doing um, an earnings review, but I, it just, I'm drawing contrast between what we saw um, in the subscriber world and in um, I'll call it linear VOD, SVOD, AVOD versus what we've seen in interactive media. Interactive media continues to take share um, and move, you know, past people's expectations. Um, but, but part of it is, but let's we, go back. What's we causing saw that it? across the board? Yeah, but but let's look at it. YouTube exploding, Roblox exploding, the creator economy is taking share. Like these companies are paying people yeah. real dollars. Like that that is not a joke. That five hundred million in th- you know basically yeah. in three years it's scaled up that quickly. That's why well, people I'll are say this. Look, once you can make money, you want to put more content for in. The quarter were amazing. EA's um, you know numbers for the quarter were amazing. So like getting past like earnings though, yeah, the UGC um, platform on Roblox is really building out, but it's also professionalizing. You have a lot of venture money that's coming in there um, to building you know professional studios you have people who are investing in in studios and helping them along you know in terms of marketing and other things that these creators don't know how to do like the early days of YouTube and it's you know the platform is going to get much much bigger i just that, think it's as simple as you pay people they come right, right? like you're literally giving people well, real money but but then you got to start thinking about the overall payout rate as a percent of bookings is like what 18 or 19 percent on roblox does that actually have to go up and i think there are two driving forces to make that happen 
One is competition. And we've said it like, you know, when Fortnite creative really, you know, pushes on the gas here is team Tim Sweeney going to have incredible payouts um, to creators on the platform. Most definitely. Cause that's what he does. So that can pressure Roblox there. And then we talk about this professionalization um, of the platform with venture money in and bigger organizations that don't want to pay their people in Robux that are going to have to pay in cash. And does that, you know, put even more pressure on such that as much as we love Roblox and it's probably our favorite idea still, um, the payouts are going to have to keep climbing um, for the, for them. Seems like a small price to pay. Oh yeah. Scheme of, Dude, of course. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's shift over to, um, of course, every time we do our podcast, the minute we end our podcast, something usually happens that means something or meaningful data point. So shortly after, a week ago, uh, we published, Roku actually, um, after it pulled the YouTube TV app because of disagreements and who knows what the real truth is, both sides are sort of blaming each other in a typical, if you think about the cable um, and distributor battles with programmers over history, Here's another example of these types of battles now playing out in the connected TV space. But YouTube figured out an interesting workaround. So they, they added a YouTube TV access point inside the core YouTube app. And why this is so interesting. So brilliant. Uh, well, it, but what's brilliant about it is it's the number two app on every connected TV device. Like 20 to 25% of time spent on connected TVs is YouTube. So they have, other than Netflix, and it, they actually have jockeyed back and forth at certain points over the last few months, they have the number one or two app on all connected TVs. And they're now using that as a way to make sure that YouTube TV is distributed even after Roku dropped the app. And obviously this sets up the big question, the YouTube contract is up at the end of the year. I can't imagine YouTube drop, or sorry, Roku dropping the YouTube app, given how much time spent is on it. If they do, they're fucked. So, well, but, but, but you can understand YouTube does not share revenue with Roku, right? Like they keep a hundred percent of the dollars on YouTube for Google. Roku clearly wants to share. They have certainly bullied successfully and used their leverage to get dollars out of, you know, companies like Peacock and HBO Max. I mean, just go through the, the litany of companies that they've successfully gotten a share from Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus. This feels like Netflix and YouTube are in a completely different category, though, Rich. Uh, look, I agree it's, with we you. We talk so about that's leverage all the time, content versus distribution. And there you go. Well, I think back to Jeremy Lin. You know, I know you were just talking about the Knicks, right? But yep. at the end of the day, why did MSG end up having to, you know, why did Time Warner Cable have to cave to MSG years ago when Jeremy Lin got hot for the Knicks? Content almost always, virtually always wins these battles. It's very hard for content to lose. So look, it's going to be interesting. Remember, Roku did its deal with HBO Max just after they announced the entire movie slate was going directly on to HBO. So like, I, I feel like this is ultimately going to end in, in Google's favor. We'll see. I can't imagine it boiling over, getting to the point of an actual drop, as you said, Brandon. But this is going to be one everyone should be watching as we move into year end, because the streaming wars that is not talked about enough is control or the, the access point to the connected TV. Isn't it possible that um, Google is making uh, or asking for terms that are just ridiculous because they want to get knocked off and then just sell more Chrome sticks? 
it's possible. Certainly Roku will say that they're asking for a chip that would improve the speed of YouTube to be included. That would make the price of Roku's devices, TVs and connected TV devices more expensive. I don't care what they're expensive. asking for. My point is that maybe, you know, maybe they don't, maybe the, the net gain here is to, to reduce Roku's overall power and let them bleed out for a little bit and, and, and I would and, and have to take the opportunity to push their own device. So logic would say you're right, 100%. The problem with that thesis, because I've thought about it, nobody even knows what a Chromecast is. Google does no marketing. Well, they might, the, they might actually Google it and find out about it after their Roku I, doesn't have the app that they use. <laughs> That's the look, point. Look, if you actually remove the YouTube app, the main YouTube app, and Google does a major campaign to promote Chromecast, you're absolutely right. Like that will be the telltale sign of like, this is Google trying to knock Roku off of its market share. The problem is, remember, most I, I, people I wonder, are not wonder, using Roku sticks. Google could have any impact when I search on Google for where do I watch, where can I watch YouTube on my, <laughs> on my television? Yes, but just remember, most of the devices we're talking about are Roku TVs. They're not Roku sticks. And so yeah, I don't think HDMI people are going to go out. But they have they HDMI do. ports. They do. It just sounds like from all the conversations we've had with TV manufacturers recently, like Vizio said, like 90% of their TVs, people are not using dongles, like, or, you know, sticks or dongles. Like, I, I think we're there moving more two, and more. But they, weren't, this, but they weren't faced with this challenge before. It's true. Now, look, maybe Google also does a huge marketing campaign for Google TV, which Brandon and Finally, I love the internet. Like, what the hell? Like, and look, I know. Look, maybe it's going to come. This again, this is why I think this is such an important data point of it feels like Google's got an opportunity to really shift market share if it wants to. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, this is my belief on the whole thing. OK, I don't think that Google nest like their number one priority is as wide distribution, especially on televisions of YouTube. It's right. not necessarily the but, hardware. But that's, this the, supports that because it's not wide if, if you have one guy that's dominating the market. Well, so by, I, by, I, I by think forcing they people also into other hardware to, op options, that by definition is broadening it, is it not? That, that's true. It may not be to, to help their hardware. It could be to help other people's hardware too, is, is Walt's point, Brandon. Yeah. I mean, what if this just gets you to buy YouTube a fire is, stick? YouTube is on every device that exists out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, let, let's let's start with that. I think that in the ideal world, they want to keep it that way, but they in no way want to set any precedent that they give up any revenue whatsoever um, from uh, from the platform to to any third party right. in terms of yeah, ad revenue. And there's <laughs> they're just not going to do it. So it then it right. comes to a head. It's like, you know, a game of chicken. Hey, Roku, right? Are you really not going to have YouTube on your platform? And I just, unless I'm crazy, I just don't you see just that. You can't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think that the strength of leverage here is pretty clear. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Well, don't underestimate Roku because okay. they're killers. <laughs> well, so so speaking of Roku and strategy, Roku's launching Originals May twentieth. A big push on Originals. They you know talked about this that their new front uh, last week. Uh, they 
sent this is an email that was sent out to all of their subscribers a couple of days ago. Free never felt so premium. So these are all ad supported. Now, all of this content, well, should actually look pretty familiar to you because this is the old Quibi content that is basically being recirculated as, you know, quote unquote, new and original because basically nobody saw it on Quibi. Now we're trying it again on Roku. But and I see a lot of people sort of just sort of like making fun of it of like, oh, this is sort of like the cheap little content that Roku could buy. Just remember that, you know, Netflix not too long ago bought content or sub license for like nothing content from stars. I think for like 30 or 40 million dollars, they launched licensed stars content, uh, which was Disney movies and some older other older content. And, and look where we are, you know, sort of 10 years later. And so. I think this feels like the start of Roku testing and learning on original programming. And I think for the exact reason that you're highlighting, Walt, is that the war, Google and others sort of encroaching or starting to sort of do things, Roku needs to build up, it, leverage its existing position with something that makes it truly differentiated because they don't have that. Like Google has YouTube, right? Fully owned. Roku doesn't have its own content. This is its push into that. And I think this is going to be the part of a, a big multi-year push to build their own content engine free or AVOD today. And Brandon said AVOD's exploding, obviously, on the ad side. So that makes sense. Ultimately, I think they might even get into subscription. Certainly seems to make a so, lot of so sense. Who, of so why so the competitors to. are Google with Chrome Stick and Amazon with their balance sheet and borrowing rate and Apple um, and that Apple company behind and, you. Apple and their borrowing rate. I'm sorry, not borrowing rate. Cash position. So this is this is who they're gonna. This is this is who they're they're Microsoft Sony. This is who they're lining up to compete with. Well, I mean, just to be clear, all of those companies have allowed Roku to get to 40% streaming market share and be the dominant player with cord cutters. You know, more than 50% of Roku users are cord cutters, and so. I think a lot of the fire sticks and Apple TVs are just lightly used relative to Roku devices because they're just so many more of them are people that literally have cut the cord. Look, you're right. Roku shouldn't exist. All of these companies should have crushed them years ago. But it's one thing they do among many. This is all Roku does. (laughs) You know, gotcha. Netflix shouldn't have existed either. Right. Exactly. It's the same thing over and over again. And we could say that about everyone and everyone. We've had this discussion so many times. Like Spotify should not exist. The incumbents in everything right now and are like, oh, nobody can unseat them because. But guess what? What happens invariably is that when there's changes in technology and ways of you know, distributing things, new platforms emerge and the old ones go to shit. So then that means we should be really worried about Netflix then, shouldn't we? It's possible. I mean, I don't, you know, when I think about um, the next wave of things, like there's, you know, there's two places, right? One is the increased interactivity of media, right? Um, Which gets towards some of the metaverse type themes that are out there. And the other is, um, you know, smart contracts, real, true, direct-to-consumer, and some of the things that crypto enables. And, you know, the current platforms are going to have to evolve to embrace both of those things. I don't know. Every time I think of crypto, I think of this. (laughs) (laughs) For our podcast listeners, what Richard Greenfield has brought up on, on the screen is our good friend, Marcelo, 
Calare, who is now running. Um, well, I don't know. He's running SoftBank's LATAM investment arm. I thought he runs WeWork. He, there's a long list of things he does. So I'm starting with the $5 billion Latin American fund. Okay. He also is the, I think the chairman of WeWork. He's also like the co-chairman of SoftBank and kind of the operations guy. Anyway, Marcelo in his, um, tweeted a picture of himself with laser eyes. In this case, yellow. Um, I think maybe for a, like a toss back to Sprint because that was their color because it's usually red, the laser eyes. Anyway, as many people know, this is kind of the, pro crypto meme thing and uh it was funny that marcella did this basically two days before um crypto tanked obviously it's, it's been rallying back but two days before elon decided that bitcoin was too um energy inefficient. burning inefficient of course bitcoin it was inefficient but he was gonna he'll, he'll figure out how to make dogecoin efficient so yes. hey everybody Doge, yeah Whatever he tweets goes up and down, obviously, it's, now it's the insane. way the market I mean, that does kind of say something about Bitcoin. Are you talking about Marcelo or Elon? Because this I was talking about Elon, but I think Bitcoin went down after he tweeted. <laughs> um, no, Mar- Marcelo, we love just, you, Marcelo. Thank you. Meanwhile, Keep Ethereum's me. hanging out at 4136 <laughs> right now, just saying. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's move. Um, we were. We're talking about Discord this week, and we had to get our. We don't have our picture in here for some reason, but Lois Frost tweeted out <laughs> a lot of adolescents use Discord as their platform. Uh, that goes under the no shit. Um, uh, Wait, Whoa, hey, this is Brandon's mother. First of all, Brandon, was this out of the blue that she yes. just she's just out of you're just sitting there all of a sudden? Tweet comes in from mom, you know, Brandon, a lot of adolescents use in quotations Discord. <laughs> As their platform, just a non sequitur out of the blue. I mean, she's obviously trying to yeah. help our research department. I mean, exactly. she's clearly trying to help us. I mean, so how do you did how did this occur? Did was she out for drinks with her friends and and no, this just was kind of chatting about current. The, no, I I think that so she my mom counsels high school kids. Oh, um, there you go. So I think she was just you know, talking to them and putting together, holy cow, they all seem to use. Um, She's right. Uh, Lois is right, as always. <laughs> and voila, mom, you're you're correct. But what, well, let's what just... You brought down the... What was the tweet that was attached to this? This is from well, so, Yon- Yonko Rukuris. Discord Brandon, why don't is, you... Re- I'll read it, Rich. Is it okay if I read it? Go ahead. You read it. You maybe read if it, I, maybe if I was at dinner on Monday, we could, I could have negotiated more tweet reads during this this week's podcast. <laughs> Discord is launching paid events, and the company has hired an entertainment industry veteran to strike partnerships with artists and labels. This was an article about how Discord wants to conquer music. Brandon, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't think it's necessarily about music um, at, at all. Um, like they launched what was it called stage channels I don't remember when that was that a month or two ago um, which is almost like a clubhouse competitor and remember we said like if anyone is really going to be clubhouse we believe that this you know might be might be the one and by the way clubhouse continues to right so along with um, 
um, along with that, they announced a couple of things. One is going to be paid events, which makes a ton of sense. And the yeah, other ticketed, is event, be, ticketed yeah, events, paid, ticketed for, events, which which yep. was always low hanging fruit for Clubhouse. Right. But Everyone that could be to, like, to Walt's point. That could be Club, a concert. How is Clubhouse going to monetize? Right. Well, you know, you could have lectures, book clubs, concerts if you want it to be. But it doesn't have to just be concerts. Um what whatever you want and you can have a velvet rope up against it and have to pay um to be a part of it it's a kind of easy microtransaction or subscription um depending on you know how the community wants to set it and along with it they said they were launching stage discovery which you know d- discovery really hasn't been a thing on on discord it was all about you know like like knowing the different um servers to go to um, but now we talked about things like serendipity and browsing on Clubhouse. Well, voila, here it is. Discord can do the same thing. And Discord has a much bigger community. It fits um, very, this whole thing fits very well with their technology, with the audio focus um, of Discord. I have a dumb question on this, Brandon. Do they have a good control of audio? Meaning like if there is music and like just basically. Oh, you're talking about rights? No, no, no. I'm talking about literally the quality of the music that they're that they're delivering. Over well, the they platform. actually have a subscription uh, subscription um, on Discord, and one of the things that you get is the higher quality on the subscription. So the higher quality audio. Audio. On the that's one of the interesting. Things, yeah, yeah, I believe. And so, in a di- they have technology, right? And my guess is if you're doing a a ticketed event and you pay discord a rev share on those tickets, they'll come back and give you the ability to stream at a very high bit rate. Right. But like concerts, I mean, all types of things could play out on discord yeah. over time. I mean, no, no, no. your point and, is, and, it's not, that's, that was the point I made about clubhouse, you know, back in the day when it looked like clubhouse was gathering um, a lot of users and engagement. T- no. This is, I mean, this shit is easy to monetize <laughs> right. no, no, it'll just be it just shows sort of the lack of barriers to entry and also why discord can be so much more you know it started off really as a gaming communications platform while people were playing when we first met yeah. with them it was a gaming communications platform well, that's before, what they were before that i mean they had a game and that's what it is and they and then they right. pivoted um to discord as we know it and along the way they've just broadened out their their use cases and their community um, past gaming, even though it's still indispensable to the still indispensable to the gaming world. We've got Adam Aaron under his Twitter account, CEO Adam AMC just announced that in only two weeks, we completed our 43 million share at the market equity raise. We've got 428 million more cash prior to commission and fees which clearly puts AMC in a stronger position to tackle the challenges and to capitalize on the opportunities ahead. Um, that's certainly true. It's great that they have an extra you know, $400 uh, million of cash. But the crazy thing is now that the enterprise value of AMC is um, $10.7 billion before the pandemic. So at the end of 2019, AMC's enterprise value was 5.8 billion. So I can do simple math. It's now trading at 14 times EBITDA 
before the pandemic, it was trading at seven. 14 and times so forward. 14 times 2022 EBITDA, assuming 22 is the same as 2019, which again, with shorter windows, I mean, Disney announced yesterday they're going to do 45-day windows. That's why we've got this um, Shang-Chi. Uh, am I saying it right? Shang-Tai? I'm not sure how to say it. Um, I'm probably saying it wrong, Walt. You can fix it for me later. But the first Asian Marvin, Marvel character is going to be launched in September with a 45-day window before it goes to um, Disney+. Plus. That's a big deal because m- m- windows used to be 75 to 90 days. Shorter windows means you're going to see more and more people um, probably towards the month mark, probably wait to see it at home versus see it in theaters. There'll be lots of people that still go to the theaters, but it's just a matter of is 770 even possible for EBITDA in 2021, sorry, 2022, relative to what they did in 2019. So the multiple, even if they did the same EBITDA is absurd and they probably do less. And so, yes, Adam Aaron, certainly, you know, staving off near-term bankruptcy has not staved off long-term liquidity issues, they need to issue a ton more stock and dilute equity holders dramatically to stay alive as you move out over the, by the way, next year. Good job doing ATM at this stock price. Like he got it. Yeah. Look, he's, he's the, the, the he, crazy part he is did a good job of figuring out who was going to buy that stock at the market, which were real retail investors. And he cozied up to retail investors many of whom are tagging me in insane memes of you, Rich. Look, Adam Aaron's literally <laughs> calling up and doing interviews with YouTubers live on YouTube, trying to egg them on. The, the sad part Look, he, about this- is- No, he sold the stock you know, at a high price, which is, it, it was almost like, if you look at it, like when a company goes on a roadshow to- sell to institutional investors only institutional investors were never going to buy the stock this time so he had to like almost you know do his roadshow to sell to i, I, I know to but, but, but investors but but, but brandon funny. this is but this it's actually scary and, and sad because <laughs> okay, i see people on twitter i see people on twitter writing well amc's only 12 dollars or 13 dollars and cinemark's at 20 clearly yeah. the stock has to go higher like People are buying this stock because of this, and they don't even know what they're doing. And that, that's where I think this is yeah, disturbing certain, behavior. Certainly what he is doing, like, definitely cross, potentially crosses some moral lines. That's what know. I'm getting at. Yeah. There definitely seems to be a moral breakdown of, like, you're telling people to buy it's a not stock illegal, you know. But like, no, no, it's nothing illegal, but just definitely feels like he's crossing a line of basically getting people to buy a stock because somebody else, you know, is telling them this thing is going higher when there's no reflection of where this company is actually positioned. And the, the scary part is bondholders are still in control. The bondholders are going to force them to pay down debt over the course of the next 12 months. And there's going to be massive dilution, which the last time they did a ton of equity offerings when the stock cratered the last time, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Uh, so we got one last slide we're going to bring up, and it really speaks to what Brandon's excited about, which is getting back to the world of concerts. So uh, let's show everyone, Brandon, what this, you'll be doing. This was more a, of a hashtag COVID over. Yeah, this was a this was a big week for me. We got a fish tour announcement. We got a dead end company. A lot of people call them Slow and Co because it's a very slow version. Um, dead but yeah i'm excited right, maybe i'll just stay in vegas and experience um, I, is it fish or dead co that's, that's no it's it, it's it's fish 
Maybe I'll do a, a Vegas residency for the week. <laughs> Maybe I can get like Marcy to come a back. A precursor to the sphere. Hanging out with Marcy, listening to Fish after an Eagles destruction of the Raiders. That's it. That's a wrap, everyone. 56. Later, everyone. Take care.